If you've ever met a gramando or a sadict, listen up, especially if you don't know what we mean when we use those words. Last week, Merriam-Webster added more than 1,700 new words to its unabridged dictionary, including gems such as clickbait and photobomb. Now, author Lizzie Skernick is adding a few more words to our cultural lexicon. In her appropriately titled book, That Should Be a Word, Skernick has added 250 new terms to fit our modern linguistic needs. And I'd like to introduce Lizzie, who's in studio with us now. She's actually got an event this weekend at Printer's Row. Lizzie, welcome to the afternoon shift. Welcome to Chicago. Oh, thank you. And my question to those of you listening, do you have a situation you need a word for? Perhaps our guest will be able to help you out. You can call us at 312-923-9239. You can, as always, tweet to WB easy afternoon. Or you can just share what your favorite made-up word is. Lizzie, so let's start with your title, which is a neologician, which is kind of a (laughs) made-up word in itself, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, neologism isn't a made-up word, but neologician is. I actually, I didn't write that. That was some marketing person who wrote it, who deserves all the credit. But I like it because it's like magician um, as well. And why did you want to make this book? Oh, well, you know, I've always, this book actually comes from a column I wrote for the New York Times Magazine. And what was great about it is that um, when it started, people began, you know, to ask me for words, like for the gross water you have to walk across in the summer that stays and doesn't, you know, go down. And that was stewage. Um, And, you know, for what the word is for talking too much about your children. And that's brattling. And so it it eventually became, you know, sort of a cultural guide to new things that we were doing and new things that had happened to us. And do you, I mean, for you, when did you first start creating words or making up words? Is this something you've kind of always done as a habit? Well, yeah. You know, I when I was younger, I used to write all my book reports in metered verse. And I've always loved to rhyme. As most children do. <laughs> I don't know. Are what you was, kidding? It was a little crazy. <laughs> but it was really, it was easier for me to do it that way. And it still is easier for me to sort of do a rhyming metered poem than it is to have to sit down and write a paragraph, although I can do that too. Um, And so I think when I was asked to do the column, uh, I I used to, I used to live in Baltimore and I used to do light verse based on current news events um, for the Baltimore station there, WIPR. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think all of those interests just combined when I was asked to do this in sort of a lot of fun and, you know, making up words that were both wordplay, but were also sort of needed terms. Do you hear from a lot of language purists who are upset with what you do? <laughs> no, never, actually. <laughs> really? Oh, that's interesting. Not once. Um, I, what I hear a lot, I hear a lot from people who have other words that they've made up. Um, I actually hear a lot from grandparents with grandchildren who've made up interesting words, and I really love that. The grandparents or the grandchildren? The grandchildren. Um, and I think that's because, you know, children are still learning language in some ways, and so they can be very very creative um, with, you know, terms that we've sort of figured out what they meant, but they don't necessarily know that something's not actually a word. Well, and speaking of that, your book is dedicated to Javier, who can only say cat. So I'm guessing Javier <laughs> is your son. He's my other cat. Okay. No, no, no. He's no. <laughs> your other cat who channels made up words to you in your head. No, yes, he is my son. He is 18 months old. Uh, he, he can say a 
few more words than cat now, but cat really is his preferred term for everything. Is this your first child? This is my first child. So it, it's probably interesting as someone who has the profession that you have to watch his language develop. Oh, absolutely. And what's so funny, I mean, like most kids, he understands more than he says lately. Um, but every time he says something, it's surprising. You know, he the other day in the tub, actually it was a few months ago, he just started singing the ABC song before he could even talk. And he was saying all the words perfectly, you know, all the letters perfectly. And so that was sort of a good illustration of maybe how my brain works also, which is that it hears the sound, the particular sounds of the language before it really needs to know the meaning. And did that inspire a lot of words in your book, I wonder? Oh, Javier? Yes, he did. He inspired. There's a whole pregnancy chapter. Because you wrote, you were pregnant while you were writing the book. Yes. First, I was trying to get pregnant. I was, um, and I made up a word for that, which is a word my friend said I couldn't say. But I, I, I didn't do IVF, but I had a lot of friends at the time who were doing IVF. And, you know, you're sort of counting down your fertility. So I made up the name speed violing for that, <laughs> which I kind of got in trouble for. But, you know, it's like that. You're, you know, you're doing all these things with your body. And, you know, also women are always being made, you know, to have to use a doula and like you should just squat in the woods. And some women like that. And then some women like, <laughs> you know, to just half of my friends were like that. Half of my friends just drugged up as much as they could. And, so, and they all had words to describe the experience. Well, they all wanted words to <laughs> right, describe. Okay. So for uh, my sister's sister-in-law is training to be a midwife. So for her, I made up birthy which is, you know, to want to do your pregnancy in as natural a way as possible. So like, earthy and earthy, earthy, and that's earthy. a good one. Yeah. And um, for uh, to tell women what they should do with their pregnancy is to pregulate. Um, and what was my one for? I can't, I can't remember um, uh, the one that was for a person who prefers technology, but it'll come to me. I'm speaking with Lizzie Skernick. She's the author of That Should Be a Word. It's a language lover's guide to, as she says, chorgasms, poverty, brattling, and 250 other much-needed terms for the modern world. 312-923-9239. If you want to share your favorite made-up term, you can tweet them to WBEZ Afternoon. Two words that we've just gotten, adorkable and <laughs> adorkable is a common one, right? And dramtastic? Dr- I mean, maybe it's, no, it's dramatic. Oh, dramatic. Dramatic makes more sense. Yeah. Yes. Although I like dramatastic. That's like when you take a drink just me and you just. <laughs> every time you take That's a drink. That's dramatastic. <laughs> Let me. I wonder. We had a very funny conversation in the newsroom, which maybe I feel like these conversations probably only happen in public radio newsrooms or journalism, sort of just in other news organizations in general. But. We were having a conversation about whether we should use the term language Nazi because adding Nazi to everything is kind of a thing that a lot of people do these days. And it gets to the heart of the notion of how much language matters and also how much people abuse terms or how. And I mean, I wonder where you see that line. Well, I actually part of one of my friends. So I'm Jewish and I one of my friends was actually complaining about language Nazi. And I agreed that, you know, you you don't want to take something that's really offensive and horrible. I I mean, not until millions of years have passed. You know, we can make fun of like the Trojans right now, but maybe not the Nazis. And so um, that's why I made up Gramando, which is someone who's always correcting other people's language.
and then spell it is someone who's always telling someone how to spell something correctly. And I forget, I forget the other one. But there's always a third one that goes in there, which is sometimes the funniest. But I mean, that was literally why I created Grimando. So people would have another term. Yes. Because does it, it's, does it irritate you when you think, when I think it's kind of a, does it irritate you when people abuse language then? Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does actually. Because I think there's a difference between being creative and saying regardless, I mean, saying irregardless when you mean regardless. Right. Um, although I do like, I do like it when people mix words up, you know, I think they're called, oh, I don't even know what but they're. But not a, you don't mean a Freudian slip. You mean when people. No, I love Freudian slips. But they're my favorite thing. Entirely. <laughs> but that's not what you're talking about. No, no, no. I mean, when they say like, you know, uh, cut, cut and dried. You know, when they say cut and dry, you know, right. when you when you don't know the source of the phrase, so you make it something else. I mean, there's, you know, duct tape versus duct tape. There's a huge <laughs> right. debate yes. over it. And there's always the people who are like, it can be duct tape, actually. And so <laughs> I love things like that. It can because, be duct tape. That's, that's very well, funny. Well, duct, yeah. Now it used to be that everybody had it wrong and it was duct tape. Anyway. But um, and then someone came up with the brand name duct tape, it, exactly. and then everyone said, "Now it really is a word." Exactly. Three one two nine two three nine two three nine to share your favorite made up word, and let's go to a couple of them before we take a break because we've got a, a few great ones. Kitty in Arlington Heights. Hey, Kitty, welcome to the afternoon shift. Hi. <laughs> What's your favorite made up word? Well, um, we did it at the office, and the word is obstacular, and it. It's a combination of obstacle and testicular, and it generally refers to someone who's got the nerve to um, make things difficult for you. <laughs> Kitty, I appreciate your 2 p.m. version of that, of that translation for all of the children who might be listening now. Thanks for that, Kitty. That's a great one. Do you, as we, before we go to another call, uh, Lizzie, do you do your do you do this with your friends? Do people how many of the two hundred and fifty words are things people have given you versus uh, ones you made up yourself? Oh, they're all ones I made up myself. Um, but people do ask for them all the time. You know, I made up um, one lady asked for a and they asked me on Twitter, and so one lady asked me for a word for those round. Uh, burned circles of gum on the sidewalk that are there in the summer. A lot of these are very New York words. And so I made up sidewalks for that. Um, (laughs) You know, and so often it's something, often it's just someone on Twitter or someone on Facebook. You know, one friend asked me for a word for the feeling you get when you hear an old Barbra Streisand song. So that was sentimental. Um, (laughs) Oh, that's great. (laughs) That was was one of my finest ones, I think. (laughs) As we're speaking with Lizzie Skernick, she can maybe come up with a word for you or you can share your word. (laughs) 312-923-9239 is our phone number. Let's go to Colleen in Humboldt Park. Hey, Colleen, welcome to the afternoon shift. Hi. What's your word? Pergolate. Which means? To drink or have fun underneath a pergola. Like this weekend, (laughs) I'm going to be pergolating. That's a good one. Thanks for that, Colleen. Let's go to uh, Kevin in Edgebrook. Hey, Kevin. Hi, how are you? Good. What's your word? Uh, This one, I have to give credit to my coworker. He used to say that things were clumbersome when they were both clumsy and cumbersome. (laughs) I love that. The best part was I think he thought it was a real word. 
<laughs> oh, that should good... totally be a real word. Well, I think my favorite <laughs> word, which I feel like a lot of people have made up, so I can't. But when you're hangry, so when you, I've, and I've, or you're, um, when you're cranky because you're hungry, yeah. so you're hanky. Yeah, some about. 678,000 people sent me that word. <laughs> and said we made it up themselves. They did, although I was mystified because I don't get hangry. I just want seven donuts. But and then I get, get them. you don't get cranky about it. I don't get cranky. I just, I just want to go to Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, I get cranky about <laughs> it. So, and I have, uh, I've, I've met many. I had many. We made that up for a coworker who also got very hangry. <laughs> so we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with Lizzie Skernick. She's the author of That Should Be a Word, A Language Lover's Guide. It's 250 much-needed terms she has made up for the modern world. You can join our conversation as well. She's playing a game on Sunday at Printer's Row. It's a word game, but we can play a version of that right now. If you share your favorite <laughs> word that you have made up, or you can give a situation to Lizzie, and I'm going to put her on the spot oh and ask God. her to try to make up one on the air. So 312-923-9239. Keep tweeting to WBEZ Afternoon, and we'll pick up this conversation in just a few minutes. Thanks for tuning into the Afternoon Shift on WBEZ and WBEZ.org. I'm Nyla Boudou. We're talking about Theratroopers and Sloth and all of these other made-up words that are part of Lizzie Skernick's new book. It's called That Should Be a Word. She's in town to talk about it, and you can join us, 312-923-9239. With your favorite made-up word, you can tweet them. Uh, Rebecca just tweeted gynotician, a politician who was overly concerned with OBGYN issues. Yes, I love that. I have a word for that also somewhere, and I've been trying to think of it. And I think it's in the book, but it, it appears somewhere. Well, and it's interesting as I'm trying to read some of these, I feel like I'm having a hard time reading them because maybe I'm not pronouncing them differently or correctly than when we get a caller. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I think what's interesting about uh, the words for me to write was that, you know, they – I would write one word, but it would also have internal words that you only saw when you read it. You know, I have conjecture, which is to try to figure out how much plastic surgery someone's had. And after I wrote that, I saw that inject is actually in the middle of that word. And the words have a lot of sort of eggs, you know, goose eggs in them or whatever those things are called. What are they called? <laughs> I, I'm, I don't know, you know what you like mean. You know, Game of Thrones. Oh, no, I'm, like not, a, I'm, I'm not a Game of Thrones fan at see, all. See, this is why so I'm good at word this. games, though, because it, it has something to do with goose, whatever. But, you know, that my brain sort of thinks about everything sideways, so that helps a little bit with wordplay. Well, and speaking of uh, gynoticians, let's go to Juan in Crown Point. Juan, what's your word? I love that gynetician, by the way. My word is lacus-leader, because our legislators are lacking so much. I mm. thought uh, that word. Yeah, that works. Lacus-leader, sure. sure. Thanks for that one, Juan. <laughs> <laughs> Let's also go to Barb. And uh, actually, I can say Barb and Evanson. Hey, Barb, what's your hey, word? hello. Hi. Um, my son, uh, when he was younger, you know, preteen, would was very verbal, but every now and then he'd get a word wrong, and then he'd catch himself, and he'd say, uh-oh, 
that was a misvocation. <laughs> we, we have it and we use it in our family now. But I also have an answer to two questions you raised earlier. In fact, I learned these about these from NPR itself. Um, a, uh, a mashup of words, although using the phrase incorrectly, is called an eggcorn. Right. E-C-O-R-N. Ah, it's yes. Okay. database. You can just put that in Google. And so that's like, instead of saying, first of all, I'd like to introduce so-and-so, they say, first of all. <laughs> oh, I see. I get it. That's great. It's kind of a new leash on life. <laughs> I know I, I would love a new leash. You know, that's, that's <laughs> and then there's a new another one oh, it's called a Mondegreen, M O N D E G R E E N. Look that up, and that's when you mishear something. When I was a little kid, it was Round John Virgin. Oh, oh right. yes. Yes, I am. I do that all the time. Thanks for that one, Barb. Well, how many, how many of your words, Lizzie, are from, uh, how many of your words are from mishearing things? Uh, very few from mishearing, but quite a few from miswriting. Um, that happens all the time. Um, and I think, and, and I think also, I think dramaneering and povertunity happened from my mistyping something. Mm, okay. What about um, Aaron said disgrossing something that's gross and disgusting? Like it's gross when you're not looking. Are those two similar? Aaron, thanks for that one. But I wanted to ask well, Lucy about. What it, it, the the issue with that one is? Yes, because I would say, well, what's the difference between gross and disgusting? But if you were saying something that was like a large amount of disgusting things, I think disgrossing would work, like a you know a gross. <laughs> so a Debbie in Skokie has one confuddle. Her daughter made that one up. Yeah, and Victoria yesternight. Oh, I love yesternight. <laughs> probably in Shakespeare somewhere. That's, well, and, a, that's so useful. Well, and when I think about what you have, speaking of Shakespeare, I feel like a lot of these terms contain a few different words, and it's almost like James Joyce's Finnegan's Wake or Dream Speak. Do you do that on purpose? No, it just happens automatically. And I was, <laughs> I was joking about this, and one of my friends who was not being serious said, are you a genius? <laughs> Are you a genius? No. No, I'm not accidental. (laughs) But yeah, but my brain does seem to like to sort of, you know, squish words together. So it's like a palimpsest of a word. Oh, here's another. We're getting a lot of politician words. Uh, Kevin has bill jacking. When a legislator sponsors a bill uh, from another chamber, but then kills it. This is used often, he says, in the (laughs) Illinois General Assembly. (laughs) How much? How many of these words, Lizzie, are I think are mostly more for technology or for modern situations? A lot. Although that political word, just mm-hmm. those two political words, just made me think of another one, which would be legislator, which is someone who's always killing legislation. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, you were coming, it's legislator. Look, we just came up with another one. Um, but. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I guess, wait, uh, what was the question again? Sorry. Well, how many of these words are for more modern situations, like their technological adaptations or? Yes, so many of them are. And that's where so many of, you know, the new words that we have are from. You know, the the new words that Merriam-Webster just added to the dictionary. Like clickbait. or They're just sort of part of our lexicon as we are thinking about technology. Sure, sure. And especially because they describe, not only describe something we didn't have a word for, but describe something that didn't exist before. Right. So mine that I have made up is Twamus, which is your Twitter famous. So you're just famous on Twitter if oh. you 
Right. As opposed to maybe just, you know, like a Kardashian would be more than just Twamus. But there are people who people only know about because they follow them on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, I think the problem with Twamus, not the problem. I don't mean to. It's okay. Go ahead. Is that, you know, we, we so understand Twitter as having twit in it. Um, that Twamus makes me think you're going to be talking about something that has to do with Mark Twain. And oh. so I'm, I'm already like, I would try, I'll see if I can so think So you need of- to add more of Twitter into the Twamus. Yes, yes. Oh, interesting. Okay. Jean in Wicker Park has a question for you. Hey, Jean, welcome to the afternoon shift. Hi. What's your question? Uh, yes, I'd like, you said, can we have a word, could she make up a word? Yeah, go ahead. What's a, what's a word for when you blank on the word that you want or need right away, but it comes later? Oh, I actually, oh my God, what's so funny is Now like, she's blanking on it. She I, can't think of it. I did make up a word for that. I totally have a word for that, and I can't think of it. And I'm not saying this so you have to buy the book, but <laughs> if you buy the book, that word is actually, it's in there. Oh, like absolutely should mean something that I just said, but I don't. I actually... Well, we say, people say tip of the tongue aphasia. Kind yes. Of. Mm-hmm. I, I made up a word for you, though, just now, which is to be famous um, on the internet for for being yelled at, I think, which nowadays people totally oh, are, right. would be flamous. Oh, interesting. Okay. Let's go to another <laughs> caller, Sheila in Lakeview. Hey, Sheila, welcome to the afternoon shift. Well, thank you very much. What's your uh, word? I have, I have a situation where I need a word. Okay. When someone does something that really makes me cringe, like say, um, no, what do I? Wait, come back. Oh, um, you I we have it here. When you said when someone says it's deja vu all, all over, over again. again. <laughs> yes. What is that? And why? Why do I cringe? Oh well, you know. Uh, because I, you're cringing because they're misusing language. So yes. what is your do you have a word for this Lizzie? Okay, for... we I did have a word for this in college. My fr- it's when you're embarrassed for someone else and they don't even know that they should be embarrassed for themselves. Oh. And yeah. we had a word for that but that was more of sort of a cockney word which was we called it absenced because it's <laughs> Like, it really came from another friend who used to have those seizures, but that you can't see the seizure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it came, it's like you see someone else and, and you see something that they don't see. So we had two words. Uh, John had eargasm and Steve had baseballgasm. And I wanted to ask you about <laughs> how often people try to use to use gasm in a word. Is that a... Well, men do it a lot in emails to me. I was <laughs> I'm not going to ask what else is in the email. <laughs> well, I always wondered. It was actually funny because when I did start the column, um, men sent so many words that were based on orgasm or, or anything like that that I was like, I just don't think they would do this to a male columnist. I, I don't think they would. But, you know, but that's a really useful – I mean, it's a funny word by itself. So to play with it, no – Pun intended. It is also funny. <laughs> Sorry, it's <laughs> early for this. <laughs> I'm speaking with uh, Lizzie Skernick. She's the author of That Should Be a Word. Lizzie, before we get to a couple more callers, I want to go over some. Do you have a favorite word of all of these? Because there's 250, and you have them in the book. They're sort of grouped for different situations. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if you can share some of your favorites with us. Well, one of my favorites is the aforementioned brattle. Mm-hmm. And why I love brattle is that it has brat, rattle, prattle, battle, 
the other kind of rattle and rat in it. So I think that was my heavy hitter. That was like, that was your your ten. I was gonna say that was your fifty point Scrabble word. There, totally, right? totally. And and what I also liked about that word and the words that have a lot of words piled on them is that I like to think that you could read it and figure out what it was just from the word. You'd see that, you know, if you saw conjecture, you'd see skin conjecture and inject, and you might be able to figure out um, what it was about. Um, another word I like is fidgetal, which is to um, check your devices too much, to be unable. Right, because you're fidgeting about digital. Yes. Right. Yes. And it also has digit. In it. Oh, with your finger. With your finger, your digit. And the digits that you're pressing, you know, binary code. It's all so mystic. How long did it take you to come up? How, how Do you just sit there and think, I've got to think of a word a day? No. Oh, God, no. Usually I think of more. But it's that the concept will come. And then sometimes I'll sort of, you know, fiddle around on the computer. I'll look through a thesaurus. And that's not how I get the word. It really usually comes in the shower. Or on a walk, you know, I tried so hard to think of a word for when a parent spits and licks your face, um, not licks your face and cleans your face off with the spit. And that took me weeks and weeks. But I went to Moscow and I was in a schwitz. And when I came back, I was like, oh, schwitz, it's spitzing your child. <laughs> When there's another, and it's just the kind of the play on also how you say something versus how it's spelled, and all along with the lines of brattle, which is someone who discusses one's children often at length, yeah. just to be clear, pacifier yes. instead of. And so, what is what does pacifier mean to you? Well, a pa- the pacifier is like the the, and er- it's a fire. So we're adding. So we should spell that p a c i f i r e for yes. everyone. It's like the early circle of hell of pregnancy. And I actually made up pacifier when I had just started nursing. And so any nursing woman will understand what I meant by fire, (laughs) the difficulty of nursing. But then that really became larger because it's like you pass through the fire of and then you wake up and you've finally taken a shower and your child is not crying. Let's end with a couple of callers. Devin. Hey, Devin. Welcome to the afternoon shift. You're in Irving Park. What question, what word do, would you like Lizzie to make up for you? <laughs> Can you make up a word for my sister that constantly moves and just sort of stashes things at my place and then kind of demands them back when she's tired of the place that she's living? And, uh, oh, so she's sort I, of like I, a – she's not a pack rat. She's a sibling who stores things. Yeah. She, oh, okay. She hoordinates. You know, like she, she ordinates. But she hoordinates. But you need also a sibling thing in there. Oh, God. Well, that's a lot. To... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you have a sister who hoordinates. How about that one, Devin? Okay. Let's go to Blair. Oh, coordinates. Coordinate? Coordination. That's what she does. She's hoarding, and she has to coordinate with her sister, and she's a coordinate. So I would call that coordination. <laughs> okay, let's go to Blair and Juliet. Hey, Blair, welcome to the afternoon shift. Hi, thanks for having me. Sure. What's your word? Oh, uh, my favorite word comes from comedian Rich Hall from the eighties. Uh, oh yeah, the Sniglets. Yeah, yeah, and his was. Uh, this is one we use all the time because you go out to eat a lot, and his word for. Lots of times you'll get an order of French fries, and one of them will be really, really long. And so he calls that the potentator. <laughs> oh, that's a good one, too. Yeah. Thanks for that, Blair. Let's go to Maureen in Glenview. Hey, Maureen, what's your word? Hi. Hey, I want, before I go into my word, I want to say how 
cool Sigital is. Oh, <laughs> like thank <that>. you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I coined a word, and it's Gritch. Oh. And I don't like the B word at all, and I was looking for something that would be kind of unisex. Mm. Oh, and, so well, I don't know that I was looking for it, but it just came pretty natural to say Gritch. Gritch. Oh, I like kind of Gritch. Kind grouch that's unisex. Yes. 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 I like, though, Gritch also sounds like someone who became rich through pure grit. Which I, <laughs> I'm oh. rich. Like I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. That sounds like a word someone would use to describe Donald Trump. Well, they would be wrong. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's go. Let's end with Liz in Rolling Meadows. Hey, Liz, what's your word? My word is apostrophe, hmm. and it's those annoying um, apostrophes people use to pluralize words. So it's a combination of imposter and apostrophe. Oh, okay. So how would, can you give us an example of how people use apostrophes to pluralize words? Um, Like you'll see someone at a grocery store saying bananas are four for a dollar, and they'll have an apostrophe before the S because they don't know any better. Oh, (laughs) okay. Thanks for that one. And so let's end with a couple more that we got on Twitter. Qdorable or automagic or automagically for things that happen on a computer or technical thing without human input. Oh, what is that one? Say that. Auto magic. Auto magic. Bill, you've got to give us. Oh more yeah, I like that. Yeah. Like automatic, but auto magic. I love that. It's auto like what the magic. cogs do. Right. Auto magic. If you would like to play more games with Lizzie, <laughs> you can see her at Printers Row this Sunday at two o'clock. What is the game that you're going to be playing there? It's called Watch Your Language, and it's really a word to test how well you know English and also how creative you are in English. So we'll be making up lots of words and finding out the sources for lots of words and making fun of words, and it'll just be a lot of fun. Oh, and Rick Perlstein will be there and Emily Tedrow and Liam Callanan playing with me. We've got, um, I just want to get to a couple more words. Knobfuscated. That's what George has. I don't know what knobfuscated means. Is it to take someone's old knob creek? (laughs) (laughs) That's what it would mean if I did it. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) All right. Well, you can also, if you cannot think of your own words, you should read That Should Be a Word by Lizzie Skernick. It's That Should Be a Word, A Language Lover's Guide to Torgasms, Povertunity, Brattling, and 250 Other Much Needed Terms for the Modern World. Lizzie, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me.